This is HSBC Global Viewpoint, your window into the thinking, trends and issues shaping global banking and markets. Join us as we hear from industry leaders and HSBC experts on the latest insights and opportunities for your business. A heads up to our listeners that this episode is being recorded remotely, therefore the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. Welcome to our first edition of the Market Talks podcast series. We will be featuring a variety of different topics and market developments that are currently trending globally. In our first podcast, we will be focusing on sustainable investments in Asia. Joining me to discuss this further is Nicola Poli, CEO of HSBC Luxembourg, and Ricardo Milic, Sales Director Asia and Europe, HSBC Luxembourg. Nicolo, over to you. Thank you very much, Gabriela. Uh, and Ricardo, always good to, to catch up, um, especially on such a, an important topic like this one. Um, I guess the first question for you that I think everyone would be interested in, which is uh, now that ESG is becoming, let's say, more mainstream in Europe, what does the situation look like in Asia and in China in particular? Thank you, Nicolo, and thanks for uh, having me here today. Um, so there is an increasing awareness and importance of ESG in asset and wealth management in Asia. So ESG investing is indeed enjoying a boom, although some markets are further ahead. So if we look at China in particular, tackling pollution has been high on the agenda in the last few years following President Xi Jinping's announcement in September last year that the country would become carbon neutral by 2060. Its 14th five-year plan, which covers uh, 2021 to 2025, has indeed a strong focus on sustainable development. And if we look at all the regions, Asia is emerging as a leading region in environmental and social issues. 96% of investors and 92% of issuers regard these matters as either very or somewhat important, according to a survey which was conducted by HSBC in October 2020 on sustainable finance and investing. And we are seeing interest in ESG investing from Asian asset managers and asset owners accelerating in particular in mainland China, in Hong Kong, and in Singapore. So it seems to be gaining um, quite a bit of ground over in, uh, in Asia. I mean, what, what more are you seeing on the ground there? So if we, um, if we look at um, the ESG investment in China report from uh, Ping An Digital Economic Research Center, so investments into ESG-themed ETFs in China have hit a record high in 2019. They were up four times compared to 2018. And um, while funds actually were flowing out of traditional ETFs in the first half of 2020, well, flows into green, into sustainability-themed ETFs consistently increased in the same period of time. So this is remarkable. And according to Morningstar, the total ESG assets in Asia now came to 25.4 billion US dollars at the end of last year. And as a result of this increase of 7.9 billion US dollars. And if we look at foreign investors, 
especially those uh, from uh, the EU and the US, they invest more and more into Chinese assets and they are looking for ESG exposure, uh, exposure. So these investors are also helping to drive an increase in the number of sustainable funds in Asia. Demand for ESG-related funds in Europe is mainly coming from high net worth individuals as well as large institutional investors who actually are required to invest part of their assets in sustainable products. So now we, we also see that questions on uh, ESG are systematically part of the due diligence process when looking to onboard new funds. However, in terms of number of funds with the ESG focus, Asia today still lags Europe. And one reason could be the perception that uh, sustainable investments will not deliver the quick returns uh, that are often sought by Asian investors. And in terms of expertise, uh, relative to the size of the region and its growth potential, we still see a shortfall of ESG expertise that's available to fund managers in Asia. But this, this is changing quite rapidly as a lot of Asian asset managers are building in-house environmental, social, and government's capabilities. And as a consequence, they're launching ESG funds, ESG strategies, uh, using different types of products, including traditional usage funds, or uh, let's say a passive or ETF uh, products. So this clearly represents a fantastic opportunity to, to develop and to distribute ESG products to investors. But this, uh, on the other hand, also increases complexity and compliance cost for uh, financial firms and fund sponsors. And one of the reasons is, is that the distribution of funds in, in, in different European markets, um, where, where local regulators in, the, in, in these EU countries, they may have um, different disclosure requirements. So it all seems very positive, albeit you know, probably from a, a relatively low base. You've touched upon some of the challenges just in your last comment there about you know, sort of local markets, local regulations. Can you talk us through what, what you see as, a, as the challenges in this market? Absolutely, absolutely. So if the trend uh, towards more sustainable products is, is, is clear today, it is uh, also true that Asian companies are facing uh, several challenges that are slowing down this, uh, this process. So selecting uh, the right ESG investment and exposure in Asia might prove more challenging for an asset manager than is the case in Europe. And this is mainly due to the, the lack of comparative data. So it is true that international investors, when investing in, in Chinese or in Asian assets, must meet ESG standards in their respective domiciles. So this should hopefully also act as an incentive to drive improved reporting by, uh, by local firms. So if we look back just a few years ago, it was really hard to make uh, ESG investments in Asia because of this lack of data to measure companies' ESG performance. And as we said, this is this is changing uh, with the rapid growth of, uh, of, of ESG investments. We're likely to see an increase in the quantity and in the quality of ESG disclosures from uh, Chinese and Asian companies. So according to a recent uh, report, uh, which was published by uh, Willis Towers Watson, 
the number of Asia's companies disclosing ESG information has kept rising, although it still remains at a rather low level, with just over 25% uh, of all Asia's listed companies having issued ESG reports in, in, in 2019. So you've mentioned, you know, rules and regulations in Europe quite quite a bit, uh, both the positives and and you know some of the challenges associated with that, and indeed there are a lot of new regulations uh, coming our way here. Um, but what do you see in Asia? I mean, surely not only Europe is is implementing regulations in in the ESG space. No, this is this is absolutely correct. So different factors have uh, contributed to the increased interest of ESG in Asia. And the regulatory developments are certainly one of the main factors that uh, that have created this uh, this momentum. So Asian regulators are putting in measures and infrastructure to enable the incorporation of ESG factors in the investment process. However, the different nature of different markets in Asia will imply obviously a different approach and a different pace when it comes to the adoption of, of ESG um, rules and regulation. So, so if we start with, with China, as, as we already said, green investing has become a hot topic in the last few years as it really aligns with national priorities. And in particular, it sustains current investors and will help attract future international investors. China's policy and <clears throat> regulatory landscape have been developing fast in, respon in response to this change. And the implementation of new ESG practices suggests a serious shift towards meeting global standards. The China Action Group, which is a community of Chinese CEOs and chairpersons who are engaged in the activities of the World Economic Forum, are calling on their peers in China to become Chinese ESG champions to realize the Sustainable Development Goals, which is a collection of 17 goals adopted by all United Nations member states in 2015 and that provide a blueprint for good growth uh, nationally and internationally. Recent changes in legislation are shifting voluntary to mandatory ESG disclosure requirements for listed firms, which is in line or even in some cases exceeds what we can see in, in, in other countries. So as we said before, investors are now actively engaging with listed companies on ESG matters, including in Asia and in China in particular. Uh, and this also comes following the release by the Chinese regulator, the CSRC, of the revised corporate governance code for listed companies, and also following the guidelines published by the Asset Management Association of China and the Insurance Asset Management Association of China that help asset managers and insurers incorporate green investing into their businesses. Okay, thanks a lot for that. So you you've spoken, you know, now quite a bit about uh, mainland China. What are you seeing outside of mainland China in places like um, Hong Kong, Singapore, India? So if we go outside of China and starting maybe not too far from China in Hong Kong, um, the SFC, the Securities and Futures Commission, has initiated in May 2020. Uh, together with the, the HKMA, the, the Hong Kong Monetary Authority, the establishment of the Green and Sustainable Finance Cross-Agency Steering Group, which aims to support a greener 
and more sustainable future for Hong Kong around five key action points, which will include uh, disclosures obligations, uh, obligations which are aligned with the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, is the TCFD, and also a uniform set of sustainability reporting standards. The SFC in Hong Kong also released a consultation paper more recently in, in October last year on proposed amendments to the Fund Manager Code of Conduct that require fund managers to consider climate-related risks in their investment and risk management process. So this consultation covers uh, governance, investment management, risk management, and also disclosure uh, requirements. So if we move now uh, to, to, to Singapore, um, the, the MAS, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, published in, in December 2020, the guidelines on environmental risk management for financial institutions. So these guidelines uh, cover asset managers, banks, and insurers, and they aim to, to enhance uh, financial institutions and funds and also manage the account's resilience to environmental risks by implementing sound risk management practice. Looking at, at, at Malaysia now, uh, the Securities Commission of Malaysia has recently issued an update to its corporate governance code, introducing best practices for action on ESG risks and opportunities by company boards and also uh, by senior management of these companies. And uh, the Securities Commission also raised concerns over gender composition of boards. Looking at India, uh, the, the, the SEBI, the Securities and Exchange Board of India, is rolling out guidelines on ESG disclosure of listed companies. And in Korea, the Financial Services Commission announced in January this year a series of measures to improve uh, corporate disclosures. So other regulators in, in, in other Asian countries will, will also have taken necessary steps to help financial institutions uh, meet their ESG targets. And I mean, things are moving almost on a weekly basis, and there is clearly a lot more to come in the, in the, in the coming months. Yeah, indeed. But I see, I see quite a, a lot of similarities, actually, with what's um, happening in, in Europe as well. You know, you mentioned the, uh, the need for diversity and, and uh, knowledge at the board level, and uh, we're doing exactly that here for the, for the private bank. Um, now, no, no podcast is, is complete without speaking of COVID, so I'm, I'm sure you knew this question was coming. What, what do you see as the impact of COVID on, uh, on ESG in Asia, on its adoption, uh, and, and how do you see it post-COVID? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thanks thanks for, for raising this point. So uh, we've seen that um, Asia was already convinced, is convinced of the importance of ESG principle. Uh, and this, this has been demonstrated uh, in, in HSBC's um, Asia survey that I mentioned before on sustainable financing and investing. Well, the COVID-19 pandemic has reinforced that belief. And especially, I would say, on the social part of ESG, we see that employee well-being in particular has, for obvious reasons, following the pandemic, jumped uh, up, uh, jumped up uh, in, in the agenda of, of, of Asian companies. So again, I think another similarity to here where we speak a lot about you know, employee well-being and mental health because it, it's really taken a toll on them. Um, 
Look, Ricardo, thank you so much for for spending the time with us. Really appreciate appreciate you uh, sharing your insights, and um, that was brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. And again, thanks both to both Nicola and Ricardo. Fascinating things that I've been le learning about the Asian space, and for, especially in ESG. Um, so again, thank you both for joining us. I would like to thank everyone for listening to our first edition of the Market Talks. We hope that you enjoyed learning about the latest ESG developments in Asia. Stay tuned for more from the Market Talks podcast series as we explore more global trends in the coming months. Thank you for listening today. This has been HSBC Global Viewpoint, Banking and Markets. For more information about anything you've heard in this podcast or to learn about HSBC's global services and offerings, please visit gbm.hsbc.com.